This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. Hello, 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 everyone. And welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Top 10 presented by Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me this morning, Brittany. How you doing? I'm good. I am I am sitting here, got the cats all around, so you know that's when you're going to have a great podcast, when you have the cats sitting there. But uh, I'm excited for this podcast because I found it really easy to pick the list, so I'm like, you know what, I'm ready to talk about some good things. Absolutely, yeah. The list that Brittany is referring to is we are doing today the top 10 comedy from the early 2000s. And as she said, it was super easy to do. I just typed in Google, obviously, comedies from the early 2000s and recognized so many of them. Correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't it feel like the 2000, like from 2000 to 2010, say, Weren't those the best years for comedies? I feel like it was just the error of just cranking out these, you know, silly, uh, fun movies that just were intended for you to laugh. I did, because when I sat there, I was like, man, this all came out in the early 2000s. Like, this was, this is what we had. Like, it was very, uh. I, I don't know. I was impressed. I was like, man, I was like, I wonder what the 10s to 20s are going to look like. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess one day we could do that as well, do like a decade thing, because correct me if I'm wrong, this had to have been like a year or so ago, but we definitely did, I think, movies or comedies from like the 90s. So maybe we'll just keep going. I don't feel like comedies are really very popular. I feel like this era, the early 2000s, is when it was super popular, and I just don't feel like it's really popular now. At least I don't see a lot of advertisement for comedies, but maybe it's just because I'm more of a person who likes to watch dramas, so maybe that's just not popping up on my feeds. Speaking of comedies, in, in 2020, who told whoever made the 2020 quarter to put a bat on it? Because I thought that was a joke until I looked at it and went, oh, they actually did put a bet on the 2020 quarter. I didn't know that. That's so weird. Why? Because of COVID, they put a bet on the quarter. Oh, like, a bet the animal? Or the, oh, my God, I thought you meant, like, a baseball bat. That, to me, would have, like, made sense a little. Yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a, uh, like a, like a bat, like a, with wings on it. And I had seen pictures of it on the internet, but I thought it was a meme about like, oh, you know, this is going to represent 2020. And it's like, no, they put a, they put a bat on there because of COVID. What the hell came up with, I, I can't even get into that. That's so, so weird. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> Before we get any further, by the way, I have to say um, a comedy that is up to date and modern and really freaking funny is Lovebirds on Netflix. I think it is hilarious. So I guess you have like one uh, modern day comedy that's actually worth something. But yeah. Before I go any further, I know I just said that, I have to say that yesterday, um, I, me and Dom, um, one of the managers over at Geek Wives Nation, participated on the, in the virtual PopCon, which went on yesterday and today, and that was super fun. So please, everyone who's listening, make sure that you check that out. It was hosted by our good friends, Kind of Nerdy Girls, and it was just a fantastic time. So please, everyone, make sure that you go and follow them on Twitter to get all of the information there. And as always, before we start our list, we want to give a shout out to another friend of the podcast who are the main Danie family of podcasts because they're awesome and always provide fantastic comment. Uh, well, content. I can't talk this morning, um, but they would like for us to promote their D&D podcast, which is called Stranger Danies. And that is an ongoing real play D&D podcast. You make sure that you join them every Wednesday as the Wild Stallions traverse the many traps and tribulations that Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition has to throw in their path. There's elves, weird half-dragon people, conspiracies to uncover, and more references to the 1980s than Ready Player One. Subscribe to the podcast on all podcast services by searching Stranger Damies, and you make sure that you follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. Of course, Stranger Damies is a proud member of Geek Fives Nation, and you can find us at geekfivesnation.com. Um, which, by the way, this week we rolled out new um, logos and new looks for all of our podcasts, our social media, and it's really awesome. We have to give a huge shout-out to uh, Dakota, who designed everything. It looks amazing. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Brittany, because I know you've been busy with work, but, yeah. I it was on Twitter, and I was like, man, that looks clean, you know? It looks so clean. I don't know if I showed you the new... Uh, photo art for our top 10 but it is so beautiful that it makes me like want to cry a little um it's just so good so yeah i'm super happy with all of it and i hope everyone else who is a fan of ours is as well because dakota and our marketing team kelly also just put so much effort and so much time into designing everything so i just hope that it all pays off but Let's get into this top 10, which is the top 10 comedies from the early 2000s. And, of course, Brittany, you were going to start us off. What you got for us? Oh, man. Let me let me look. You know what? I already know what I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for yeah. Dodgeball. What are you going for? Dodgeball. Oh, my God. Yes. Dodge. Chicken dodge a ball. I, I thought that movie was so funny, and it's crazy because I've actually seen this movie a million times. Because especially uh, my parents had DVR, so they recorded the movie, and I just rewatch it all the time when I needed a good laugh. But you have what was it called, like Global Gym versus like uh, like a, oh, it was like Average Joe Gym. I, yes. I don't know how I remember that because I've, I haven't seen the movie in so long. But, um, you know, his uh, 
average Joe, the gym is failing, they're behind on bills, you know, they're about to get, like, basically kicked out and bought up by Global Gym, which is, like, their way of making, like, a, a reference to, oh, what's that big gym, that big gym, like, you get trouble if you grunt too loud? Oh, Plant Fitness. Yes, that's what it was, that's because it's called Global Gym or Global Fitness. Which is funny, though. I have to interrupt you for a second, which is funny, though, because Planet Fitness is only, like, 10 bucks a month, so it's really not anything sort of special. Um, to me, it's like if you're going to mock a gym, it should be something like, uh, oh, God, New York Sports Club, which is, like, 100 and something per month. But I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brittany. I'm loving this. No, I just, like, the, is it Ben Stiller? That plays. Yes. Yes. <laughs> An actor. Like, it, it, he just has a way of just really cracking you up. But, the, you know, you have the whole thing where, you know, they got to win this dodgeball competition so that they can, you know, pay off the gym and, you know, not let it get bought up by Global Fitness or. I can't remember. It's, I think that's the name of it. It's something. It's a play on Planet Fitness, basically. But, uh, I don't know. All the characters are so funny. The guy from uh, Doom Patrol is in it. He plays a dude that thinks he's a pirate, and so he speaks like a pirate. And together, (laughs) but you have the dude that's like training them. That's like, if you can, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And he's just throwing wrenches at them. You have the family man who basically is watching teeth on him twenty four seven because he felt that his wife married him to like basically just come to America so she's like very doesn't want anything to do with him and his kids hate him and I'm like this is blessing, but oh my god I Dodgeball was on my list too and I love this movie so much it's so ridiculous but such a classic when you talk about say early 2000s comedies and comedies in general I feel like it was Ben Stiller's renaissance during this time because I have another Ben Stiller movie on my list, but I love Dodgeball. It made me really like Vince Vaughn. Um, and as you said, I love the whole thing, the whole ridiculous, how serious the whole Dodgeball thing was being taken. And how, remember, they even had the video where they were doing, like, the training tutorial, and it's just so serious sounding, all of it. And it was just so freaking hilarious, and how Ben Stiller's character was so obsessed with fitness because he used to be really heavy set. And they're freaking, remember their dance? As they came out to the court. I mean, utterly insane. And, um, oh, God, the characters are just so amazing. You had, like, the like the Russian woman on Ben Stiller's team uh, who felt, fell in love with one of the characters on uh, in Average Joe's gym. And freaking how Ben Stiller's character was obsessed with the... You know, the one woman, right, On in Average Joe, which I think they're married in real life, which is hilarious. But remember the thing where he's like, no one makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> I got nobody. I was so, like, I remember I didn't see this part in the movie because I think it's part of the credits. And I had just, I had just never seen it or whatever. 
But, oh, no, you do see it. But you know when he's, like, uh, Ben Stiller's character gets, like, really heavy again, and he's, like, eating yeah. out of his stomach, and you can see the grease on his belly? It grows. Yeah. So it's so gross. <laughs> it's, um... It's, like, the same costume design that they did for Fat Bastard in the Austin Power movies. It's so nasty. And freaking, um, well, doesn't he say something like, fuck you, Chuck Norris, or something? <laughs> Chuck Norris is, like, the deciding vote. <laughs> and the judges will let them, like, have their, uh, what was it? The ruling that basically made it where they won? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I love this movie so much. It's so much fun. It's just ridiculous how serious they take it. And I think I want to say that was the first movie that I saw with Alan Tudyk. And even though he's been in so much now, every time I see him, there is still that part of me that's like, hey, the pirate from Dodgeball, or even if you're trying to say describe Alan Tudyk to someone, right? You're like, oh, this actor Alan Tudyk is in something. And they're like, who? And you go, oh, the pirate from Dodgeball. Oh! Uh, I actually found his treasure at the end. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. His treasure. But uh, what I was going to say is, on the subject of Chuck Norris, side side part, one of my friends told me this. And I haven't fact-checked it yet, but he swears up and down it's true that Bar- Bob Barker, you know, from, like, The Price is Right, yeah. like, learned martial arts for eight years from Chuck Norris and that he did his own acting in the uh, Happy Gilmore movie for the- those scenes. I don't know. You know how there's so much mythos I'm going to really go up because he, he was very intense that, that it was true. Okay, so what's your favorite Chuck Norris uh, mythos? I'll tell you what mine is. Um, oh. Do you I, not remember any? There's so many. <laughs> I'm like trying to like you ever like have where it's so muddled that you can't even like begin to remember. Um, I think there was like one as a kid where it was like the snake bit Chuck Norris and got poisoned or something like that, or like got a got oh. the venom. I, I'm trying to remember any others. Um. Or, like, Chuck Norris doesn't fear death. Death fears Chuck Norris. There's one that was, like, once Chuck Norris slammed a revolving door. Underneath Chuck Norris's beard is just a fist. I <laughs> have to say it was so... It was so funny to me. Have you ever watched the Expendables movies? I have not. I still need to, though. Okay, so the whole thing, like, with the Expendables, at least for, like, the first and second film, is that it just has all of these freaking old, like, 80s action stars all just, like, reunited for these films. So in the second one, Chuck Norris makes an appearance. And he actually said, like, so freaking, okay, really quick, I know this is so off topic, but it's just so funny to me. I was like, I can't believe they did this, right? So you have Sylvester Stallone's character who's like, oh, you know, I haven't seen you, blah, 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 blah. Like, last I heard, you got bitten by a really poisonous snake. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I was in this jungle and I got bit. And he's like, and it was an excruciating 
three days, but after those three days, the snake died. And it was like, I was like, I can't believe Chuck Norris, like, they wrote in one of his mythos into a freaking movie. It was just... <laughs> it was just funny to me, but... Yeah, uh, Dodgeball is part. What did you say? Family Guy had an episode where, like, they're like, is it true? You know, something, but then, like, the fist comes out of Chuck Norris's beard. Not <laughs> outer guy. <laughs> I love it. I really do. I mean, I just loved all those because they're so absolutely ridiculous. But I love Dodgeball. Dodgeball is perfect. Um, just one of the best. So, great way to start off uh, this list. I'm actually going to piggyback on that and do my other Ben Stiller comedy and it's going for my number nine and it's going to be Zoolander. Um yes, because Stiller, I was like, it's gotta be Zoolander. It's gotta be Zoolander because it's it's so perfect. Oh my god, friggin' Zoolander just absolutely like as the Brits would say, taking the piss out of modeling. Um, just, I, oh my god, you have Ben Stiller with this whole blue steel, uh, look and all that, and I don't know if you ever went back and watched that, but Alexander Skarsgård is in it, and he's in the scene where they're, like, at the gas station, all, like, going crazy with the gasoline, which is, like, why? Why? Um, there's just so freaking hilarious you have ben stiller you have um what's his name owen wilson right and they're models and they're competing against each other david bowie is in it uh ben stiller is uh, a disappointment to his father and at some point he goes back to like mine with him but it's just he's like oh ridiculously good hair and there's just so many like funny ass scenes in it when uh, he knocks over like the r- the sculpture of what his school would be, and he's like, "This is a school for ants." <laughs> like, oh, yes. Oh my god! And then uh, I don't know if you remember him and Owen Wilson's character. They eventually become friends, and they have to fight against uh, Will Ferrell's character. And I just remember the funniest scene to me was the one where they're trying to figure out the computer. And it's like they're literally, like, I don't know if you remember that scene, but they literally start acting like chimpanzees, like starting to beat the computer because they can't understand. And someone goes, it's inside the computer, and they literally smash it. And it was just so stupid. But it was so hilarious, the whole thing. It was like at that point where movies can can be that dumb, and we'd still laugh over it. And it was just so funny. So I love Zoolander. It has been a really long time since I've seen it. So I'm sorry that I absolutely butchered, like, the whole premise of Zoolander. But I'm pretty sure that the people who are listening to this have seen freaking Zoolander. So, Brittany, I mean, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I feel like this point that you know a movie's good when it has a million memes made from it. You're like, they're like, what is this, a thing for ants? You know, like, insert that. Or, ooh, something so hot right now. And yes! Just, uh, uh, July, so hot right now. And I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I don't know. Uh, What's funny is I've never seen the movie fully through, but I remember, like, oh, 
he's like, the water's wet. And then, like, stuff like that when he's, like, supposed to be, like, a mermaid. And I think his dad sees that commercial, too, and hates it. But he's so, like, that pouty look he gives 24-7 makes him want to smack him <laughs> the whole time. And he's like, ugh, 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 you know. And it is, like, it very much reminds me of America's Next Top Model. You know, they get very in their feels, very competitive, very, like, oh, I gotta look a certain way all the time. And I was like, this is, I'm feeling this. It's just, like, an absolute parody of the pretentiousness of all of it. Like, at some point, they meet a guy who is a very well-known hand model, and he keeps that one hand in, like, a glass case at all times to preserve it, and they're all just so pretentious, and they're like, you know, Ben Stiller's character at some point, he's like, there has to be more to life than just being really ridiculously good-looking, and they're all like, no, there isn't, like, and just (laughs) the whole thing about it. Um... And then it's just so trippy and weird. They have, like, a model off where David Bowie is the moderator. The same woman who was in Dodgeball, the same actress, is in this movie. And I think she's something like a reporter. And at some point, freaking Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, as they're, like, getting to know each other, take, like, Alaska or peyote or something and they all have, like, a massive orgy with this woman and, like, other models and shit. And it's so freaking bizarre, but so hilarious. And Will Ferrell is just over-the-top ridiculous. But, like, say, during the time where you expected Will Ferrell to be like that, um, and I just think it's hilarious. Like, oh, God, Brittany, you have to sit down and, like, watch it in its entirety because it's just so stupid that it's funny. Um, I've never seen the second one just because I thought that Zoolander was one of those movies like Dodgeball that it was good, just leave it alone. Um, And that's why I never saw the second one. But yeah, Zoolander to me is just like pinnacle. And as you said, so many memes. Uh, The whole... I was watching something recently, like a recent YouTube video, and they referenced, like, oh, this person's giving the blue steel right now, which is the look that Ben Stiller's character, you know, was leading up to. That's how he defeated Will Ferrell so that he could master the blue steel look. Oh, my gosh. That sounds about right. And I was going to say, by the way, that actress, Christine Taylor, who is married was married to Ben Stiller for 17 years from 2000 to 2017 and she was in Dodgeball, Zoolander, the Brady Bunch movie, uh, The Wedding Singer, Zoolander 2, The Tropic Thunder. She's in a lot of, I realize she plays a lot like hot girl in comedy type movies. Well, she was hilarious in The Wedding Singer, which you still haven't seen and if that came I don't know when that came out um I don't think it came out in the 2000s or else that would be on this list right now but yeah no it's 1998 um but she yeah she played a character in that very much kind of like but yeah um she did a lot of movies with her husband at the time Ben Stiller that's crazy they divorced see Hollywood couples they just can't last but um yeah 
Uh, Zoolander is number nine. Brittany, we got a whole bunch of other hilarious movies to go through, so why don't you give us number eight? I'm like, okay, I, I already know what I want without even without even looking at it. And I feel All like right. I should but I want to go ahead and grab it. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to go with Tenacious D, Pick of Destiny. Yes! Personally bastard, but... (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know, like, I already feel like we're going to overlap a little bit. I'm sorry. I apologize. I can... Wait, personal... Before you go any further, I need the listeners to know that I introduced Brittany to Tenacious D, Pick of Destiny. Okay, got <laughs> I like, okay, I remember this is how it went, is that I had heard some of the songs from Tenacious D, but I didn't realize they were from a movie. And when I told Tia that she was like, you haven't seen the Pick of Destiny, <laughs> I was like, uh, no. And I remember she. We watched it here in Arkansas, didn't we? I believe so. Yeah. So I think it was because remember when we were on that way to the Supernatural convention in Houston, we listened to a bunch of songs from it, and we either watched it right before we went or right after the trip because of that reason. Which that was a really fun trip. We need to do something like that again. But uh, the music was so good in it though but like just the whole plot of like oh you gotta get the pick of destiny and like jack black's character is so what's the word for he's just like almost innocent but at the beginning like with his dad who's played by meatloaf and the dio song i was like as soon as i saw those scenes i was like i am hooked like i'm already i already feel like i'm about to go on a wild ride here but or thinking that uh, what's his name, Kyle? Yes, <laughs> he's such a godly man. Like what do you say, a god among men, and like so obsessed with him. But you realize he's just a loser too. But I still, uh, I still quote this movie sometimes because my old manager at Walmart before he left, he uh, he was talking about. Oh, he's like I got a bunch of new. Uh, employees he goes because we're so busy he goes but you won't want to know the things i did till i get it and i said did you goggle mayonnaise and he goes no he said but also too gross <laughs> oh man sorry go ahead no, I was just like, there's so many good references in that, and it's like, um, oh, I'm sorry, the gargle of mayonnaise still, like, grosses me out, but makes me laugh so hard, or, you know, or deactivated lasers with our dicks, and see, I had heard that song, but not knew, like, what was going on, so to see, like, that they actually had to deactivate lasers with their dicks, I'm like, you know what? This movie has a little bit of everything for everyone. And I have to imagine, you know, with the kind of music they love, I it isn't as accepted as other forms. And even you as, like, a goth kid, right? You're, like, uh-huh. it's, like, there is a part of you that has to feel, like, the when he, at the beginning when he's a kid and he just loves, he loves rock and he just can't have it. 
Oh, God. I love this whole movie. First of all, so, like, before I even watched Tenacious D, Pick of Destiny, like, I knew that Jack Black had his music group, Tenacious D. There was this whole thing in the radio at that point. It was so funny where he, like, did a song asking Dio to pass the torch to him. And Dio was, like, on a radio station going, I don't know why Jack Black is asking me to pass the torch to him. I have no torch to pass. Like, he was just so confused by that whole thing. And so it was so funny that then he's in Jack Black's movie. Um, and, you know, I love rock. So the fact that you have Meatloaf, you have freaking Dio in it, just it was absolutely amazing. I love the whole story of it, this kid who really wants to play rock, but, you know, it's the devil's music and his overly Christian father forbids it. Um, and so then finally Jack Black's character as an adult decides to go off into a, you know, a trip to be the greatest rock musician of all time, links up with Kyle, who then you find out is a loser, but, you know, he forgives him quickly so that they could go and be epic. And Ben Stiller is in that movie too, by the way, he's the guy at the record store who tells them about the pick. So now they're in a journey to go get this magical pick, which has been passed down from, you know, ACDC, the Rolling Stones, Aerosmith, that has given every uh, great guitarist the ability to be fucking epic. Right. And so they freaking um, like, you know, they, they, uh, they're going and all that shit, right? And in the middle of all this, there's all these epic fucking movie, uh, not movies, these epic fucking songs, right? And my favorite, and obviously I'm skipping a bunch, but they eventually have to break into the Museum of Rock. They have to steal shit, and they got to steal the pick, and then they got to go do the talent show, right? Which is going to give them money so that they can pay their rent. And the guy who's orchestrating the freaking thing is the devil. And they have to play the devil in order to freaking beat him and save their souls. And I love that thing that Jack Black's character offers Kyle to the devil in case they lose. And I'm like, that's messed up, man. (laughs) But yeah, that whole thing. Go ahead. Sorry. The Devil's played by, oh, what's his name, from, uh... uh, David Grohl. Yes, 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 and I had never heard, I had never, like, I had never put it together, which is so funny with about the Foo Fighters, and I I did say that name correctly, right? Because I actually really enjoyed But I, like, when I first heard them as a kid, I was like, oh, I don't know who these people are, blah, blah, blah. And then you hear, you know, he used to sing, you know, he used to play at Nirvana. I, I think he didn't actually sing until after Nirvana because he he didn't feel, he always, he felt like he could never be as good as Kurt Cobain. So he just kind of just never did it. But then he really, you know, found his voice for it. And I think that's really cool. But he played the perfect devil. He was the drummer in Nirvana then became the lead singer guitarist in Foo Fighters. But yeah, uh, I thought he was great in that role. Uh, It was absolutely perfect to me. I thought it was hilarious. And that song and showdown is one of my favorites in the movie. It's not like in general. I just think it's a great song. Uh, And their whole thing, like if, 
not necessarily that I think it needs one because it's perfect as is, but I would be interested to see them do a sequel to Tenacious D Pick of Destiny. Because remember at the end, they get the horn of Destiny if they're using it as like a bomb. So it would be interesting to see like, how did their careers go from there? Like, I love at the end where they say, oh, we wrote this masterpiece. Well, do you remember it? No. And it's like, God damn it. <laughs> you know what would be really good is, uh, you know, let them have a falling out. It would be very, like, you know, like with the Beatles and stuff, like them both maybe, like, you know, having to find each other after all these years and they've changed, but, you know, like, a good, like, coming together story where they put aside their differences. Because even Kyle could put up with, like, you were going to sell me to the devil if we lost, you bastard. Yeah, exactly. Um, Keep talking for just one second, okay? Okay, I got you, Sam. But, uh, no, I definitely... Sorry, I still heard the noises. I was like, what do I hear? But uh, I don't know. The Pick of Destiny was just such a fun, cute movie that even though it has some, like, rough points in it, the whole movie from front to begin, like, to the front to the beginning, to the beginning to the end is just so, like, comedic and almost lighthearted that even at the more serious notes in it, you can't help but laugh. But I think it's like I didn't expect Jack Black to still be so funny. Which Jack Black has his own YouTube series now. Like he has his own YouTube and his videos are pretty funny, but he's just kinda ridiculous the entire time. But um Oh Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> this is what happens when you do these shows live, people. You unfortunately have to sometimes take a second to step away. But Brittany did an amazing job, so thank you for that. <laughs> I got you, fan. You got me, fam, yeah, but um, Tenacious D, Pick of Destiny is absolutely one of the best comedies of the early 2000s, if not in general, and I feel bad for anyone who may have never seen this movie because you are sorely missing out, but let me take the next one. I kind of want to put, like, School of Rock down, but I feel like it's been so long since I've seen that, so... I kind of don't want to, like, mess it up. So just know that an honorable mention, because we're in the Jack Black realm, is School of Rock. But I'm going to hit number seven, and I know that this should probably be higher. I just want to get it out there because I love this movie so much, and I loved it when I was a kid. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it is not another teen movie. No, I I thought I thought about putting that on the list. I put thought about it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Um, first of all, I have to say that this is the first movie that I ever saw Chris Evans in. So I remember when Chris Evans started getting his due, right, as say Johnny Storm and Fantastic Four. I said to myself, oh, my God, that's the guy from Not Another Teen Movie. And it's so funny because I feel like after playing, say, Captain America, 
he's kind of viewed in such like a wholesome way, which, you know, Chris Evans is a fantastic person, it seems like. And he's playing a lot of more serious roles, such as in defending Jacob and all of that. But to me, the first movie I ever saw him in, he was an absolute douchebag in it. So not another teen movie is obviously a play on all of the teen films out there. And if at the time, at least. So if you see it, it has, it has references to Pretty in Pink, Candles, all of those sort of 80s type of movies that had all these different sort of high school tropes. And it was, oh man, oh man, it was just so funny to me. You have freaking Chris Evans' character who is like this douchebag jock, and then he has his sister who's always trying to bang him. And then you have the girl who's, you know, She's the ugly duckling, and she just needs to be emerged from the cocoon. And really, the only thing that's wrong with her, or not wrong, but the only thing that's perceived as wrong with her, is that she's wearing glasses and she has her hair up in a ponytail. The transformation is giving her contacts and taking her hair out of the ponytail. And it's obviously like a parody of the ridiculousness that is all of those sort of transformation movies. It's just so funny the way it picks on things, the shit that it makes fun of. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, even isn't this the movie where they're making fun of the fact that in all of these movies, there's only ever, say, one person of color. So you have at the house party where you got the one guy, the one uh, black guy saying to the other black guy going, oh, uh, I-, I thought I was supposed to be at this party. No, here you go, man. Like, here's your drink. I'll leave. And it's like, what? <laughs> and it's supposed to, like, be making fun of that whole, like, stigma there. And it's just so many things on top of it. Um, again, it's been a really long time since I've seen the movie, so there's not uh, not everything is, say, ingrained in my head. But I watched it, say, all the time when it first came out. I don't know why I was obsessed with it, because I thought it was so hilarious that a movie was finally making fun of all of the ridiculous shit. And Chris Evans was just so hilarious. Like, remember when he came out with all the freaking whipped cream on his body? Like, you wouldn't see Chris Evans now do that. That was Chris Evans back then. You know, it's funny, because even didn't Chris Evans play a, a dick in, uh, oh, Scott Pilgrim versus The World? Like, yes, he, he was playing very douchebag. Like, he was the dude playing, oh, yeah, I'm going to play an under 18 year old. Oh, I think that's a joke in another teenage movie, too, is that they are all like grown ass adults. Like, none of them are teenagers at all. And I, I think <laughs> that is it, too, because if you see, like, like nowadays, right, they'll get someone who maybe is 20 or 19 to play a 16-year-old, right? Or they'll actually get someone who's legitimately 16 to play a high schooler. But back then, they're having these grown-ass people who are like 26, 27 play a freaking like 15-year-old. And it's like, in what world? And I feel like this is why we have this like messed up perception in our head that high schoolers back in the day were supposed to look a way more mature than they actually did. It wasn't because kids actually looked more mature back then. It was because they had literally adults playing high schoolers. I always like would laugh and I'm like, if I like obviously not now or anything, I'm like, I would be able to still play a small like like a like a teenager or something. I, I still get asked at work if I'm freaking fifteen. How do I'm you a would. Late- 
You're you're one year away from your mid twenties. All right, please don't even be like late twenties here. Um, but freaking yeah, no, you would totally still be able to play a high schooler, like one hundred percent. I wouldn't be able to, but you would be able to. But um, like a baby face to me. No shocking. <laughs> but you know what I was gonna say about that movie really quick is I remember uh-huh. I got so skeeved out about, like, the sister wanting to bang the brother, even though I think they're step-siblings, but still, because having only brothers growing up, I was like, no, gross, get it away from me. Well, I don't know if you remember what was even creepier about that character is that she set, remember they're at like the the prom or something and she's so upset and she's talking to like another person and she's like, all I want is for someone to take a dump on my chest. And he's like, I would be honored to take that dump on your chest. And she's like, thank you. And I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> You know what? I'm done with this world, Tia. I'm just done. And then remember there was one scene where the girl kisses an old lady and it's like all the saliva is freaking like going between them. And it was, I forget which movie that was like, because that also was a parody. It was like these two girls kissing and they pull away and it's like one single strand of like saliva so it's obviously was supposed to be making fun of that but it was so like graphic that I think anytime I watched I either turned away or tried to fast forward in that scene because I was like no no all the saliva no I I always thought that was so gross even like growing up when people you know like before you know kiss or good stuff and you're like Oh, okay, and then you'd see stuff like you're like you're like it's so wet, and nasty. Like who wants to do this? <laughs> Why is anybody into this? Oh my god, it's so gross. But uh yeah. I love not another teen movie. I just think that it's one of the classics and we don't talk about it enough. But it literally I feel like is what kind of got a lot of people aware of who the hell Chris Evans was. And I wouldn't mind if he came back and did, like, a douchey character. Not another teen movie like that, but, like, a douchebag character, because I did go back and rewatch Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which when I went back and I watched it, I realized there's a lot of stereotypical racist undertones to that, and I'm not trying to sound, like, overly woke or anything, but I watched it, and I was just like, the way they're treating this Asian character right now is disturbing but um i went back and watched it for the sole purpose of watching chris evans uh scene and them eyebrows were hilarious yeah he is like did he have, like really like bleached hair or something too and his eyebrows are super dark or like something like no. that no that was another character in it that was another oh, character that, there that was one of the main bad guys that was the, yeah, they were one of the exes that uh, she had to contend with. Uh, well, no, not that she, that Michael Sarah had to contend with in order to date her, which I'm like, girl, you go from Chris Evans to Michael Sarah? I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a no for me, dog, as uh, Brittany likes to say. But yeah, so not another team. <laughs> Not another teen movie is going to take the number seven slot. Brittany, what do you have for us for number six? 
Dynamite. Oh, wow. That's a throwback. I know. I think it's because um, I remember before I'd actually seen it, my uncle was always quoting it, right? He's like, give me your thoughts, you know, like, and I was like, what the hell is my uncle talking about? I think I'm like, is he stupid or what? But uh, I didn't realize he was making a reference to that or like the llama or like, which it was that actually a llama or was it an alpaca? I do not remember, but uh, I think it was a llama. But his brother, Kip, you know, who, who wants to be a martial artist and be all cool, like the guy with the, the Stars and Stripes pants, or, you know, the uncle, the very creepy uncle who is very obviously creeping on these high school girls, which is especially weird at the same time. But, which, by the way, um, I, I'm sitting around, you know, you had Pedro, you had... Napoleon you had like I think what it was is that even though it wasn't funny in the sense of like they were obviously trying to make the jokes it was very like situational humor like everything even like the deliveries and stuff were fine but what was going on it was it was so awkward like I remember somebody telling me I can't watch Napoleon Dynamite because it just weirds me out it's just very cringy and I think that's kind of the appeal of it but I still love Napoleon Dynamite's brother, Kip, more than anyone, though. And do you remember the part where Kip is supposed to, like, back over the Tupperware? So I have a confession. I've never oh, seen this yeah. movie. Oh, <laughs> I never watched it because it looks so cringy. <laughs> You know what? We're watching it together. You don't get a say in the okay. matter. We're, we're okay. watching. Basically, it's just Napoleon Dynamite in a high school, right? And he's very—he's the loser, right? You can tell he doesn't really have any friends. Well, Pedro comes to his school, right? Who is, you know, Hispanic. And he's kind of quiet. He doesn't hardly talk, right? But it's just the awkwardness of them being in school. It's the awkwardness of... Uh, their grandma raised them. And you can both tell, like, Kip, the older brother, is, like, too old to be living still at home. Like, there's nothing wrong with living at home. But, I mean, he's, like, I, I, you can tell he's basically feeding off of his grandmother, right? Which the grandmother mm-hmm. raised them. And, well, when she, when the grandma gets put in the hospital, because I think she went on a vacation and ended up getting hurt or something. But it, she's fine. She's fine. I just think she, like, breaks her leg or something. The uncle comes to take care of them. But the uncle is very obviously, like, the guy in high school who is like, I could have been this. I could have been this. You know, I could have, you know, I was the best in football and still, like, living that football dream, even though he's, like, in his 40s, still saying, I could have been something. And, uh but he basically wants to be, like, the cool, you know, he's very, like, about being, like, the the masculine, you know, uh, alpha male. But he's just as much a loser as Napoleon and Kip and all of them. But the, it's just very, it's very situational humor. I think if you actually watched it, you would like it. I mean, Napoleon Dynamite came out when I was 14, so I was right in the cusp of going to high school, and I feel like 
even though I didn't see Napoleon Dynamite, it's you had to have been living under a rock to not know anything about the movies or the characters. I mean, once that came out, it was such a thing for people to be like, gosh, oh, and it's, you know, that was, everyone was saying that people always had the t-shirts vote for Pedro and stuff like that. I just, I didn't see it because it just looked so awkward. Um, and I know that's probably just, it was, it's like sacrilege to say that you were a teenager during that time and not watch Napoleon Dynamite. But I did very much enjoy the epic rap battles of history of Napoleon Dynamite versus Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all of the listeners out there that I have never seen Napoleon Dynamite. I will do better. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if you heard that, Brittany, but Paul is literally in the background going, that movie's terrible anyway. <laughs> You know what, Polly? You're awful. <laughs> you know what, Brittany? Though I'm telling you, it was a cultural phenomenon, and it deserves to be on this list because I think what makes comedies or anything right when you're doing a list of a certain time period, it's not just like how good say it was; it's what it did for the time that it came out. And Napoleon Dynamite. Dynamite, like literally, I think if you go to Hot Topic to this day, is you still will have all of the apparel and shit around. I I know. I'm gonna say like it very it very hit like I and I think it was funny is it even though it had it was humorous and funny, it was still like relatable in a lot of parts, and that was a big part of it. I feel bad. It's like Brittany's probably sitting there like, these bastards. <laughs> I love this movie. Um, it's it's like, uh, remember when we did last week's list and you put Dumbo down? And I was like, how could you put Dumbo as the wor- one of the worst Disney movies? But... Um, my uh, stream go go. They went... Uh, um, his name is uh, Simp, right? Nod the Simp. Which I've told you what a simp is, and he's always like, "I'll be yeah. your simp." Like he's just funny, but he goes, "Why do you not like Dumbo?" And I said, "Oh no!" I said, "Did you listen to the podcast?" He said, "Yes." I just want to hear from your mouth why you don't like Dumbo. Explain <laughs> myself. Oh. No, I, you know it's fine, Brittany. When we are actually able to. If you're either able to take a trip to New York or I'm able to take a trip down to Arkansas sometime in the near future, we will definitely watch Napoleon Dynamite because, who knows, Brittany introduced me to Silence of the Lambs, and I had never seen that movie, which I know is another, like, (gasps) dun-dun-dun. I just had never seen it. I never got around to it, even though I knew about it, and... Brittany was like, sit your ass down, we're watching it, and uh, I think it's probably one of the best movies that I've ever seen, so, you know, I I trust Brittany's taste, Um, but please don't put, 
I just, I thought of something, Brittany, because remember we made a joke that every list we do, you find some way to put silence of the yeah, land. I know. I, <laughs> if it would have been, you like, can't put it on this list. <laughs> if it would have been like, best uh, 1989, uh, movie uh comedy i'd be like silence of the lamb and list all the funny moments in it which there isn't like any you have to do me a favor one day we, we would find a way <laughs> i need the top 10 silence of the lamb moments well, we can do that 100 percent um you need to apparently watch more Broadway plays so we can do that and watch um, more foreign films and narcos so we could do a uh, top 10 on that. I'm calling you out on live right now. Hey, well, if I was starting a new job and everything, I'm probably have time to listen to a movie or two. <laughs> but no, we can listen. Let me know. I will rewatch Silence of the Lambs and I will make my notes. I have no problem with that whatsoever. And I'm sure that uh, the listeners would like to hear that as well since it's freaking Anthony Hopkins. Come on. But yeah, number six definitely goes to Napoleon Dynamite. Um, let's see what's next on my list. Oh man, we did already so many like fantastic ones that it's I'm sitting here going like what do I put and I'm gonna do a Will Ferrell movie which it's like I'm telling you Will Ferrell had his what Will Ferrell and Ben Stiller had their renaissance back in the early 2000s because they just cranked out the comedies but I am putting down Talladega Nights um because this is one of my favorite freaking comedies it is one of my favorite will ferrell movies and i let me put a disclaimer here right okay Brittany. let me put a disclaimer Brittany is realistically my first southern friend and the first person that i met to really kind of open my eyes about the culture down in the south and where she lives and that it's not so much what you see on screen right but Prior to meeting her, you know, our view of freaking the South and especially NASCAR fans is very much what they were portraying in Talladega Nights. And that's why I just thought it was effing hilarious. You have Will Ferrell's character who is just like the living embodiment of every, every stereotype that you would think of. And he's this fantastic race car driver and he and John C. Riley's character do the whole shake and bake thing. Um, which is just so funny. Um, and you know, there's just so many great moments. Will Farrell's character praying to baby Jesus. What does he say at some point? The wife's like, why are you doing it? He's like, when it's your turn to pray, you pray to whichever Jesus, but I'm praying to baby Jesus in his golden diaper and shit. Um, and then, and then you have Sasha Cohen Boren's character who comes in, who's this French driver and challenges pretty much everything. And it's this whole competition and John C. Riley's character eventually kind of, tries to make a career for himself outside of being essentially the person who helps Will Ferrell's character always cross the finish line first. And there's so many things, right? Like uh, if you're not first, you're last. And remember they, he meets back up with his father after years and it's like his father just can't help himself from like committing crimes and committing and like making a scene or whatever. 
there's just so many like epic iconic scenes to me in that movie that are just effing hilarious like there's one where it's um what you calls it uh isn't there a scene where sasha cohen born's in this bar with all the other say nascar drivers and fans and they're all like what's the french ever done for us and he's like we've given you this we've given you that and they're like you know just this whole like thing well they're like no that's american (laughs) it's just so like ridiculous and funny and i absolutely loved the finale of that um, where it had to be Will Ferrell's character and Sasha Cohen Boren trying to race literally on their feet to the finish line to the song that they did. And at the end, when Will Ferrell and John C. Riley's character make up, and he's like, uh, from now on, it's the magician. He's like, no more shaking bait. From now on, it's the magic or the magician and magic man in El Diablo. And he's like, that's great. What does that mean? He's like, I don't know. It's Spanish for fighting chicken or something. And it's just, it's so fucking funny to me. I loved it. It's so ridiculous. Um, Yeah. So, or, okay, before I pass along to you, remember the scene where Will Ferrell thinks he's paralyzed and they, like, stab a knife, like, deep into his leg and he just freaking jumps up like an idiot. Oh, God. I love this movie. Talladega Nights was definitely, to me, like, the funniest Will Ferrell movie. So, yeah, that's going to be my pick. What do you think, Brittany? As as a Southerner, what did you think of Talladega Nights? <laughs> I still quote, uh, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> you do. You say that to me all the time. You'd be like, don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> I think that's the best like i just all of those there's so many memorable quotes in it i was gonna say it's so funny because i especially enjoy it because yes like it's funny because i haven't heard a lot about nascar from uh like in current times but a whole big thing of like being from the city that i am which you know spoiler alert it's always hard because I'm like, because of the Twitch stuff, but this is where I live is the home of Mark Martin, right? So that was like their big mm-hmm. claim to fame was the big NASCAR driver is from this town, you know, blah, 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 And that's always been a big thing for, for this town, right? It's a reason why we have a lot of, like, well, you have a big car dealership in his name, right? Like, it's pretty mm-hmm. huge. But... I don't know. It's like I remember growing up, like being little and going over to my great aunt and uncles. And every time I'd come over, it was NASCAR day. And I'd just be like, what are they doing? They're like, they're driving. And I'm like, what are they doing? They're driving in circles. Why is there so many? (laughs) They're making a left turn. (laughs) But, oh, man. But I always do want to go to, like, a NASCAR event, though, because I always had to imagine. It's kind of like a rodeo. You have to imagine what the wild shit, like, parties are going on around it. Because you always see all those, like, trailers and, like, RVs, like, parked around because people, you know, they stay the night there. And I'm like, I want to, it's just like Burning Man, but for, like, rednecks. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, my dad is a huge NASCAR fan. And my mom has gone to races with him, and she's like, oh, Tia, it's the most boring shit I've ever done. And I think he's tried to get me in the past, not in recent years, but in the past to go. And I've 
made every excuse not to go. I'm like, I'm okay. (laughs) They're making a left turn. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Like my older brother, his girlfriend Mm -hmm. now, fiance. He used to laugh because she hated making left turns because, you know, left turns are scary because then you're trying to go through two ways of traffic, right? And he would always tell her, he's like, you're never going to be a NASCAR driver. You can't make a left turn. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Ricky oh, is yeah. he gives me a very, like, Doom Patrol vibes, too. Like, oh, my God, way. with Cliff Steele, it reminded me because a new episode, a new episode of Doom Patrol actually came out on Friday, and I'm going to watch it at some point today. So, yeah. Um, the only NASCAR drivers I recognize are Ricky Bobby and Chris Steele. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it, Dia. I love it. I, that movie, when I, saw, I, I saw it, too, but I was like, man, I haven't seen it in a long time. But you, like, brought a lot of memories up and his kleptomaniac father and how awful he was. And also, like, his wife starts sleeping with uh, the old partner. John C. With John C. Riley's character, yes. Yes, he, like, takes over his life. Which, those two are, like, two peas in a pot. Because, in case uh, I don't want to take it, it's not on my list. But, you know, they've acted together before in a couple of things. Yeah, they were in stepbrothers together. They were in a shit ton together. Which it almost surprised, not that like, you know, if one does something, the other has to be there. But I swear to God, when I watched the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie and I saw John C. Riley, I was like, where's Will Ferrell? Like a part of me was like, is Will Ferrell going to be in this movie? I don't know if you remember, he was he was in Guardians of the Galaxy 1. He played uh, one of the Zadarian, the one who his wife and child are saved and he goes and, you know, reunites with them at the end, the pink people. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, I didn't know if you like knew who I was talking about. Yeah. No, I remember him because I did also do uh, part of the scanning in the prison. Yeah. And he's the one that at the end when like they're trying to uh, say that star Lord transmitted a message, he's like, he goes, uh, you know, oh, Ronan's coming, blah, blah, blah. And Nova Prime's like, well, why should we believe him? And he's like, well, according to Star-Lord, and I'm quoting here, I may be an asshole, but I'm not 100% a dick. And Nova Prime's like, well, what do you think? And he goes, I don't think anyone's 100% a dick. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy again. I mean, you should, because it's classic. But, yeah, Talladega Nights is so hilarious to me. Um, Will Ferrell is just so funny in it. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> and I think even then that the father says, like, later on, where he's just like, that don't make no sense, boy. He's like, then you could be second or third. <laughs> oh, God, there's there's so much too that happens in that movie like now that I'm thinking about it like doesn't Will Ferrell have to go on this journey to uh, you know become a driver again because he pretty much has like PTSD from a crash or something like that I mean there's so much that happens yeah trying to battle Sasha Cohen Boren's uh, character 
Like, does he not think, wait, I can't remember, does he actually catch up or does he think he's on fire and he just runs like an asshole the entire time? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Knowing that movie, it's probably the one where he wasn't on fire, he just thinks he is, I'm on fire, oh my god! <laughs> oh, um, yeah. But Talented Unites. I know, now that we're going through this list, I'm just sitting here saying to myself, oh man, I want to watch all of them. I need, like, a good laugh. But, um, yeah, so Talladega Nights is number five. Brittany, what do you got for us for number four? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with a classic and go with Mean Girls. I saw that, and I almost put it, but it's been so long since I've seen it, so yes. I guess it's, like, for me especially, did you ever feel like you really loved movies that were, like, a high school set? Which, by the way, that was a big early 2000s thing that felt like everything was taking oh, yeah. place in high school. That's why they said not another teenage movie. That's the whole That's point. Awesome. Yes, you didn't get that. Not another teen movie because there's a million teen movies. Yes, but I was like, I was going to say, didn't you feel like the early 2000s was really a big time for, like, high school movies? But uh, I guess it's kind of perfect because I was in high school right as all of those movies were coming out. It's like, I, that, well, that's what I was going to say. It's sort of like when Ed and Eddie used to do, like, the back-to-school episodes. I was so obsessed with them because I was, like, so optimistic that this year of school would be better, which I was always <laughs> heavily disappointed. But uh, besides that, um, just, like, it starts crying and depression. Um, but Mean Girls was so good because it gave the vibe of, like, I always wonder, like, what kind of high schools were these? Like, how much money did they cost? They didn't feel like regular high schools. You know, they would have, like, archery and track and all these big things. And I was like, oh, my God, who's paying this? But <laughs> I think it was, like, good to see that, like, so, yeah, Lindsay Lohan's character, who was very sweet and innocent because she had been raised in, I believe, Africa, right? But I don't remember which part of Africa. And that was I think big... South Africa was yeah. where she was raised. Okay. And it's like, you know, having come back to America and, you know, trying to go to American high school and, like, all the, like, things that go along with it, like the hierarchy, because I think she even describes it, that she's like, it, it's like the animal kingdom. She was like, you know, with the classes and the different cliques, they're like different breeds, you know. And I thought that was interesting, but just getting to see her from a moment when she's, like, learning about, like, oh, that these people aren't your friends. Like, like basically the things that she didn't grow up with, but it's also so, so funny. And, like, watching, like, even the background characters, like, who are obsessed with, uh, what were they called? Not the plastics? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. But I just remember I was so obsessed with the movie. I remember I would rewatch it with my mom all the time. But I love, like, whenever they're trying to, like, sabotage uh, the main mean girl. I'm trying to remember her name. But, um, like, with the foot cream, and it actually turns out to be, like, really nice on her skin. Or, like, uh, they get snack bars that actually were, like, oh, she's like, oh, it helps you lose weight. But they were really to help, like, starving African children gain weight. 
because of, like, starvation. And so, like, she's, like, blowing up. And I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> like, it's so mean, but so good. But I guess that's what they call it, Mean Girls. Yeah, um, there's so much, like, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's never going to happen. Uh, that really, that movie was definitely, like, Lindsay Lohan's, like, one of her big movies. That, and I think, like, Freaky Friday. Um I loved Mean Girls. I that's another movie that I watched like a little later. I didn't watch it when it originally came out. Um, and then a, I was over a friend's house, and she was like, "You have to watch it." And it's so funny because, as you, Brittany, as you said, it's like, where are these schools? I thought the same thing when I tried and what when I tried to watch Veronica Mars, like the original series, and I'm like, where are these high schools? First of all. I went to freaking Catholic school, right? And the Catholic schools have, like, no money. So we had pretty much nothing, right? We had, like, one sports team. We had the drama club, and our food was absolute shit. So no archery or any shit like that, right? Um, And you have Lindsay Lohan, who, you know, at first, right, she starts off where she's just on the outside kind of looking in. And then she almost becomes part of this popular group and she almost lets it go to her head to the point where she's portraying her friends who they thought that she was, say, an outsider like them. Um, And I like that the movie, first of all, Rachel McAdams played like a perfect movie villain. She was awful. Um, Amy Poehler is hilarious as like the mom who wants to be like way too involved in her daughter's social life isn't that the quote where she's like you need anything drinks condoms let me know (laughs) and it's like what she's like oh like the alcohol she's like i'm just joking unless you know and i'm like Because you know there was always the mom that's, like, you could tell that was popular in high school but peaked in high school, and they just want to reclaim some of those glory days of still acting like they're in high school. Oh, yeah, I knew someone like that, 100%. Like, she was way too involved in her daughter's high school experience, um, just, like, wanted too much to be the cool mom. Like, you know, kids can come to my house to drink and you know, do things because at least they're doing it under my roof and not out there, you know? And I'm like, what? You know, she definitely was like trying way too hard to be like, see, I'm the cool mom. You don't even need to call me mom. You can call me by my first name. Um, but freaking, yeah. I also, so I loved the whole aspect of it. And I also loved how it, Freaking had such a say like an anti-bullying message to it because it's like you feel that girls like these are people like these they get this sort of power because other people almost give them that power and if you don't give them that if you don't subscribe to the whole drama and just want to be a normal freaking person you know your high school doesn't need to be like that and I I think I said to you that My high school was never like this. I've never experienced that in my high school. We never had a group of, like, the Plastics or the Heathers, right? Um, There were groups, 
obviously the jocks did hang out with the jocks the goths did hang out with the goths but no one was above anyone and there were times when the groups would mesh with each other and so there was never that whole aspect of you know there was the popular girls who could absolutely ruin your life with a single rumor, you know? So I guess I was fortunate not to deal with that. But it, so watching Mean Girls and shit like that was always interesting to me to kind of see that bird's eye view. I know. I was going to say, like, my my high school was very just, golly, I want to say it was chill, but it wasn't chill. I, I, maybe it's just because I get my head in the sand, though, but I want to know who's, like, funneling that much money into these schools. I know. That, well, you know, kids are our future, which, you know, most of them probably went off and did nothing. Uh, oh, my God, doesn't Rachel McAdams' character get, like, hit by a bus at some point now that I think about it? <laughs> Just get hit by a bus. She, uh, and you think it killed her, but she just ends up, like, in a heavy brace. Get in, loser. We're going shopping. <laughs> no, oh, you know what? something funny on my Twitch stuff. Yes. You can, like, customize the notification that your followers get when you go live. And mine is, get in, loser. We're going gaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love Mean Girls. I would definitely rewatch that. Um, but talk about, I think, like Rachel McAdams was like thirty or something when she did that. God, she aged so well. Like, no, she aged extremely well. I'm just saying, like, talk about freaking uh, doing high school movies when you're a, a full grown adult. Man, I, you know what? I'm gonna go like apply for being like a like a teenage actor now. Thanks to you, my dreams are coming. <laughs> You would definitely be able to. I'm telling you, you would get, like, all of it. The, you would walk into the edition, and they would say, like, you know, oh, uh, we need papers to prove that you're, you know, old enough to be here or some shit like that. And you'd be like, oh, I'm 26. <laughs> I'm an adult. But, uh, yeah, Me Girls is perfect, Brittany. 100% perfect. I, I love that you put this down. So number four is Mean Girls. Number Three, I'm putting as a effing classic, and I'm grabbing it just in case it's your number two. Um, and it's White Chicks. Please tell me that you have seen White Chicks. I have seen that movie a million freaking times. <laughs> oh, my God. The freaking Wayans brothers having to, like, covertly opt and go undercover as, like, these white women with the worst, <laughs> like, the worst masks. Like, that's what it was, right? Like, these plaster masks or something. Yeah, and they're so... <laughs> it's so unbelievable but the fact that they have to like do this whole covert op and you know there's i'm just like thinking about it in my head like how ridiculous it is how ridiculous they acted the whole time i'm thinking of like the dance-offs the yo mama jokes that they did um <laughs> it's just so the powder <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, mama's. Um, the freaking remember the scene where they go shopping with the other women and the one girl who's like thinking she's so fat, but to the point where she goes crazy. She's like, "Look at this!" And, and they're like, "I want to go get a manager." never dealt with like a woman freaking out over their clothes which, which I, you know, it's like I had never fully witnessed that until I was in like high school and I went shopping and one of the girls had like an utter meltdown I was like what the fuck is happening it felt like that it felt like should I get the manager should I get someone do I need to call your mom but um or, I'm sorry to jump in my favorite scene Still is uh oh well, what's his name what's the name oh Terry Crews <laughs> Terry Crews when he's like so like betrayed and he's like yeah I'm sorry dude I'm a guy and he's like no you're black like he's so mad not 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 that he's a man and not the fact that he's lying it was about the fact he was lying over the color of his skin. And that he wasn't white. Yes, and like when he's so betrayed, he goes, "Oh, the humanity!" He's like, "Oh my god!" And he's like, the whole time he's gonna be mad about him being a dude, and and, which I thought that was great too to show, like he's totally fine, you know, that's great. But it's like they just what he was mad about was so freaking funny, though. Terry Crews definitely took the cake in that movie because when he gets obsessed with one of the I, I forget who's who because again it's been like a really long time so I forget like their actual names in the movies right but one of uh, them who he's like obsessed with right and they're first of all driving to the date and so one of the Wayans brothers character thinks like I'm just going to be as unbearable as humanly possible and the fact that he like puts on, um, you know, that song. And Terry Crews' character's like, I love this song. <laughs> and the fact that they go out to eat, and Terry Crews like, you know, so I guess the lady will have a salad, which is so, like, the typical thing that you see in, say, movies, and I guess happen in real life, where, like, the man does the ordering, and he's like, I'll have the filet mignon, and, you know, of course, she'll have the salad, you know, she has to maintain her girlish figures. And, and the other one was like, oh, please, and gets, like, the whole Which, menu. And Yes. Huh? And got, again, he got... With his fingers. He got ribs, he got, like, the lobster, he got, like, cheap cheese fries. He, like, goes and, like, picks his toenail at some point thinking that, like, all of this is absolutely going to disgust Terry Crews. And he's like, oh, damn, you a woman or something. And he was so, like, astonished by... <laughs> it was so funny. And the whole thing, and still to this day, like, white chicks is totally, in, like, at some point, they completely embodied my mom because the freaking... Um, what you calls it the uh, the moment where they walk into the hotel and they dare to question who they are or something and the way in is like give give me I'm gonna write a letter dear hotel manager I am a white woman and I feel like 
that movie gave way to quote unquote Karens before Karens were even a thing. And I hate to say that my my mom is not a Karen, right? She's not going to cause a problem in the middle of a store. I'm going to say that right now, but she'll definitely go home and write an email (laughs) very passive aggressively. A strongly worded email. A strongly worded email. So yeah, I I am a white woman, and there's just so much because um, obviously they're so much taller than the girls that they're supposed to be playing, and the friends are so stupid that they don't even um, question it. They're like, "You look taller," and they're like, "Oh, we got our our legs like extended or something." They're like, "Oh, I want to get that." Um, and one other thing is, remember when they're trying to do, like, that whole spa night or something, and the girls are like, oh, you know, teach us how to, like, go down on a guy, you know, and they're giving them the dildos, and they're, like, putting it on their foreheads or something, like, totally ridiculous. Um, I just think the whole thing is hilarious. So, yeah, White Chicks is going to be my number three. You want to hear a funny thing about that scene? Is I remember so clearly the dildo scene. I remember my mom covering my eyes and going, go under the blanket. Except the blanket was quilted, or not quilted, knitted. So, you know, where there's like the holes in it. And I was like, I'm like, oh, shit. I so many things I've told my mom I did as an adult. And she's like, you little shit. And I was like, hey, they were little. And it was slipping out of the house tonight. In reality, Brittany was watching that scene trying to gain techniques, not realizing later on in life that uh, they were the wrong techniques. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I hate myself. Never mind. (laughs) I'm done with everything. No, you're not. We've still got two more to go. But, yeah, um, I remember it was so funny, right, because... You know, White Chicks was such a hilarious, say, American comedy. And, you know, comedy is different throughout the world. And back in 2008, my friend Sarah, who we, you know, much like Brittany and I met online, uh, Sarah and I met online, and she lives in England. And so she was coming over to America, and we spent, I think she was here for about two weeks, And I remember, and so again, like comedy is very different in America than it is in England, right? If you watch British comedies, there are some things that you don't get because that's just not your humor. It was so funny to me that when she was there, one of the things that she really wanted to do, she was like, oh my God, we have to watch White Chicks. That movie is hilarious. So it was just funny that like she also thought that it was just insanely good. I would just say, like, when it can go across, like, like overseas, like, European, like, like changes in comedy, it's like, you know it's good. You know it's a funny-ass movie. So, yeah, I love White Chicks, and as soon as I, like, looked at all of this, I was like, I, as soon as I saw the list, I was like, I need to put White Chicks on this. Oh, my so. God. I was going to say, um, I remember, like, watching that movie with my mom, and still, like, me and mom had so many movies we just watched on repeat, like, no, like, what, what did they say, no cap? 
Like, we would watch it, like, probably, like, once a day for, like, a week. Like, me and Mom just, like, re-watching movies like that. Yeah, I, I totally, like, I, it's been a while since I've rewatched that movie, but I would definitely go back and rewatch it, like, immediately. So, yeah, White Chicks is my number three. Brittany, uh, what is your number two, which I know is technically your number one, but what do you got for us? I'm surprised I got this far without it getting used, so I'm, like, happy to have it as my number one, but I'm going to go with Shrek. Oh, yes. I saw that. I I almost put it, but I'm glad that you're putting it. Go ahead. I love Shrek because even now, like, with the resurgence and the the popularity of Shrek, like, with the Smash Mouth, like, you're an all-star, like, that song. And I feel like it would not have gained that much popularity if it had not been a part of Shrek. But I'm still trying to understand why Shrek became such, like, a big deal all over again. Because I remember when it first came out, like, I think especially because we were so used to, like, like these kind of animated films, you know, CGIS, because uh, it's made by DreamWorks, yeah. And mm-hmm. having more of an adult-themed cartoon was really big for adults because it's funny enough that, like, okay, kids can enjoy it, but, like, the in- into windows, right? The new windows where you're like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. Like, when Fiona sings to the bird so high that the bird trying to match it blows up and she eats the eggs. <laughs> like, that's so fucked up. Or the fact that the dragon gets it on with Donkey, who's voiced by Eddie Murphy. Like, the whole movie is just a freaking ride. And, you know, how Shrek is selfish. He's an ogre. He just wants to be left alone. He's got all these fairy folk, like, coming to his house. And I don't know. It's just uh, to his swamp. And how nasty he is. But I think it was, like, a nice twist on, like, oh, you know, with him actually, you know, being cursed and, you know, them actually being, quote-unquote, like, ugly characters, the, the bad character. I get to see that twist was pretty nice. Donkey! Donkey! <laughs> uh, <just>, Donkey! <laughs> yeah, I, I love Strike, especially the first one. Right? It's so great. Uh, you have Mike Myers who plays uh, Shrek, and it's, he's an ogre, and he's this big, bad, intimidating character, and really all he wants to do is live as a recluse. And you have Eddie Murphy as Donkey, who's kind of, like, silly and all over the place, and they become a very unlikely pair. I love the whole onion scene where he's like, ogres are like onions, and <laughs> Donkey does not get it at all, no matter how much uh, Shrek tries to explain. I love the uh, how it kind of makes fun of those old sort of, you know, Sleeping Beauty type of things where, oh, you have to go save Fiona and you think it's the knight that's going to do it, but no, it's Shrek and that whole thing, and then it's very um, become, say, almost like the the Oh, God, the frog thing, right? You know, like, oh, you kiss a frog, it becomes a prince, right? And it's like, oh, here's Fiona's uh, affliction. She becomes an ogre at night, so she's going to find her true love, and then she's finally going to be, quote-unquote, beautiful again. And at the end, it's that she becomes 
the ogre because that is beautiful and it's all about like acceptance and shit and I love that but my favorite is all of the scenes with Lord Farquaad um, and how ridiculous that is and the freaking um, the, the gingerbread man where he was like he was like who is it the muffin man the muffin man the muffin man she's <laughs> like that whole scene <laughs> I love that his little legs get stitched back on because it was so fucked up. I think one of them gets crumbled, though. I think it gets, like, yeah. crushed. But uh, I always love my, like, the neatest, like, little tidbit. I like that with, you know, Chris Farley's was supposed to be originally Shrek, but he passed away before it was finished. So that was uh, why. Oh, what's his face? Mike Myers. Uh, Mike Myers, which is so funny. Not not to be confused with uh, Michael Myers. (laughs) Every time I heard that, I was like, when I tried to look him up one time, the actor, and it brought up, like, Michael Myers, I was like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) The fact that Mike Myers has never played Michael Myers in a Halloween movie is an absolute travesty. Just saying. A missed opportunity. Go ahead, though. Sorry. No, I was saying he could do it with a with a Scottish accent. Actually, the character never speaks, so it wouldn't matter anyways. Yeah, it wouldn't matter anyways. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know that, that Chris Farley was supposed to play Shrek. Um, that would have been interesting. I mean, of course, it's horrible that uh, Chris Farley passed, and we don't want that at all. That is awful because it was very untimely. But I am happy that Shrek ended up being voiced by Mike Myers because that accent is so synonymous with the character. I oh. can't imagine him not having that as he's young. Don't get <laughs> I know. I was going to say, and, like, yeah, because he didn't originally have the accent when Chris Farley was doing his voice. And I feel like that was what was really needed for kind of that folksy feel of, like, yeah. you know, having that i think that was more authentic too because it aren't most like uh uh, like tales that were back to this were more european and more like english and scottish so i'm like you know what i'll take it yeah 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 i just love it i struck was so great to me i you know wasn't the biggest fan of like the sequels and then i think it just started getting kind of like ridiculous to me um, the first was the best one, and every character was hilarious in it. I almost want to say, wasn't this also kind of like, you know how, like, Eddie Murphy, he went away for a little bit, right, and now he's starting to come back, but wasn't at this point that he had also kind of went away for a little bit, and then Donkey was kind of like his comeback for a small thing? I feel like there was something with that, with Eddie Murphy playing Donkey, yeah, I, mean, I could be wrong though. I'm just trying to figure out like, okay, okay, I'm trying to see why Eddie Murphy stopped, but apparently he said that he wouldn't stop acting fifty, and I guess he hit fifty and was like, "I'm done." <laughs> I mean, with the amount of money that he made, it kind of makes sense. But I think he's coming back, right? I mean. He had that movie um, based on Dolomite for Netflix that did well, and I believe he's doing another Coming to America. Um, and he also was on SNL not too long ago, like before the whole pandemic happened. So he's certainly making his 
presence known again. I mean, Eddie Murphy was such a huge part of us growing up. I mean, there you want to talk about like Adam Sandler movies being like a million of them. There was a million Eddie Murphy movies, like constant. I, I was looking up too that apparently like another thing is that it, it's not as acceptable now. It's like considered more offensive than back in the day. And so that was like another thing is I think kind of like, growing with the times has been hard on them, at least from what I was reading very quickly. Well, it's so funny because it's like with Eddie Murphy with his movies, right? They're also family friendly. The Nutty Professor, um, freaking, oh my God, why can't, why am I like losing my mind with Dr. Doolittle? You know, so many of his movies that we watched were so family friendly, right? So I always thought that Eddie Murphy was a family friendly, like, guy but then when you watch his stand-up they were so raunchy and shit and and my favorite like story is so um you know eddie murphy this is so off topic but i thought it was hilarious um you know eddie murphy went on snl back in like 2019 right during the time when he was like coming back and he did a stand-up on SNL saying that, you know, 30 years ago, if you had told me that my favorite activity would be being a dad and sitting at home and being lazy and watching TV, you know, and say Bill Cosby would be the one who was in jail. He's like, I would have taken that bet, you know? And the whole point is that 30 years ago or so when uh, Eddie Murphy was doing his standup, Bill Cosby had, like, given him a call saying that he thought that he should stop that because he wasn't being a very good role model, role model to children. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> so it was like, oh, the irony. Oh, but I love Eddie Murphy. And, and I loved him as Donkey and Shrek. Um, this is great. I'm so happy that you put it on the list because I think it certainly deserves to be on the list. Um, I didn't know that there was such a resurgence of popularity for Shrek, though. I must uh, not be seeing that. What would you say? Like, Shrek is such a meme, especially with, like, the all-stars. Like, the song. I, uh, I love that. That made me, like, really like Smash Mouth, and then, like, realizing that no one really likes Smash Mouth, and they kind of became, say, a joke, and I was like, oh, but I love the song! <laughs> you know, you know what's funny is they kind of accept the joke. You know what, Nickelback still gets pretty, like, not as happy with it? Smash Mouth was like, well, at least you're listening to it. I mean, I guess you just have to take the good with the bad. And again, if they, if you're just known for, say, one song, well, hey, every time they want to put that in a movie, you're going to get the royalties for it. But I will sit here. I will sit here on air and defend Nickelback because what you hear in the commercial is just the songs that they make for the commercial sense for the mainstream so that they can, like, you know, sell more records and i know that's like that's the definition of selling out it's like yeah well you want to make rent too don't you You want to make your mortgage payments but if you actually listen to their cds it's like okay you got the one or two that were on the radio right 
And then the rest of their songs are super hardcore and heavy. I remember there were a few times that I was listening to Nickelback when, say, I would be picking up, like, my ex-boyfriend and stuff back in the day. Well, I mean, he was my boyfriend at the time, but, you know, ex now. And he would get, and he was, like, a huge metalhead, and he'd get in. He'd be like, oh, man, who the hell is this? This is great. And I'm like, it's freaking Nickelback. And so they definitely had, like, hardcore shit. I'm just saying. What did you say? I said they they were probably the type of people that once they heard it was Nickelback, they were like, well, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that, and I will say before we move on, I actually saw Nickelback, um, like I went to one of their concerts, and they put on a hell of a show. It was Nickelback and then Breaking Benjamin and Three Days Grace, right? And Three Days Grace and Breaking Benjamin opened for them. And they did okay sets, but Nickelback was like, fire, lasers, shooting up t-shirts to the freaking uh, audience, like going up on stage and talking to people, like crazy, crazy shit. I'm like, man, they know how to put on a freaking show, so... I will not accept Nickelback slander in this house. <laughs> oh, shit, girl. Nope, She's won't serious. do it. But I'm serious right now. So, all right, Brittany, we are down to the last one in our top ten comedies from the early 2000s. And I have honestly been having such a great time with this. I know. Um, so let's... Yeah. <laughs> let's go through the list before we get to number one. And so we have... Dodge, Dodgeball, Zoolander, Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny, Not Another Teen Movie, Napoleon Dynamite, Talladega Nights, Mean Girls, White Chicks, Shrek. And I have number one. And I'm going to put it down because I did think it was hilarious back in the day. And I'm also putting it down because of the, like, the impact I feel like it had at the time in popularity. I feel that this movie was just so huge at the time. Like, just like, say, Napoleon Dynamite, right? It was one of those movies that seeped its way into our pop culture, you know, even if you didn't see it. I feel like this movie did the same exact thing, and it's going to be Borat. I don't know if you've ever seen Borat before. I, I've seen parts of it. I've never fully seen it. I just know, oh, my God, it caused such a fucking, like, outrage when it came out. Oh, no. Yes, keep going. I was like, oh, yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. But I say that because I was recently watching, say, Bob's Burgers, right? And they were there was that one part in Bob's Burgers where Bob would say, like, having a a dream where he was working at a corporate office and they were all standing around the water uh, jug and someone's like, well, my wife. And the other person goes, my wife. And I'm like, the fact that Borat still, like, is able to seep its way into other shit is just a testament to how like big it was at the time. So, and I think that and say Ollie G because so Sasha Corin Boren always had say characters that he portrayed. Um, and he was also in Talladega Nights. He played the French driver. And now I feel like he's doing things that are a little bit more serious. He is in a show on Netflix called the spy, which is a pretty serious 
show, and I think it actually got nominated for, say, either a Golden Globe or an Emmy. So he's definitely going into more of a serious route now, um, which, oh, my God. So, by the way, I'm sorry. Before I get into Borat, not really, though. So, so I'm just going to come out of this. It's so hilarious. Sasha Cohen Borat. You know who I'm talking about, right? Like, again, he played Borat. He played, yeah. He recently dressed up as, like, a redneck and infiltrated a Trump rally to sing on stage. And all of the, like, people there were, like, cheering him on because they thought he was, like, legitimately this, like, Trump supporter talking about, like, F-COVID, F-masks and everything. And it's, like, in reality, it was just him. (laughs) And that's what... And that's what he does, and that's what apparently he did for Borat. Most of the movie is um, situational humor. It wasn't scripted. Like, there were a few scenes, obviously, that were scripted. But uh, And Borat did get in trouble because a lot of scenes that it filmed, they didn't tell the people that it was for a movie. So the scene where Borat goes up in the RV full of all these frat guys, they legitimately think that Borat and his associate are real people from Kazakhstan and are really filming a documentary when, in fact, they were filming a comedy movie. Um, But, you know, and the whole thing, though, is that I did hear that they, at first, I think they're pissed now. But at first, the people of Kazakhstan were happy because no one knew what the hell Kazakhstan was even. They didn't know that it was a real country. And this movie kind of, you know, opened it up. But then I think they saw what the movie was actually about, and then they were pissed. So it's Sasha Cohen born, and I feel like this movie could not be made today. So it is very situational um, to its time. But you have Sasha Cohen born. He's playing Borat. He's a, someone from Kazakhstan. And uh, it's him going to America to learn more about that, our culture and stuff. And it's just ridiculous. And they have this whole thing, say, where they're this ridiculousness of thinking that, say, like Jewish people are shapeshifters, which Sasha Cohenborn in real life is Jewish. He wrote this movie, produced it, directed all that shit. So he's obviously making jokes about how, say, other cultures may perceive his own culture. Um, But I just thought it was hilarious for the time, right? Just the whole thing was just plain ridiculous. His character was ridiculous. The whole thing, he... um, his character loved Pamela Anderson, which was such a thing back in the day, uh, especially from those who were fans of Baywatch. And he had this thing where he wanted her to be his wife. He kidnaps her at some point. And the whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous. But it was one of those things that I feel like if you were like me and back in the day you were a fan of, say, Jackass, which I was, uh, I love- you were a fan of... I loved Jack, yeah. Which, by the way, I was watching these things of all these, um, like, prank people now on TikTok, and I'm like, they're all trying to do what Jackass did and just not succeeding at all. But um, if you're a fan of, like, Jackass, I feel like you were a fan of Borat because it's just that dumb humor where it's like, you're laughing, and you're like, why am I laughing? It's like, you can't help it. You're just laughing. So... Borat not only did I think was hilarious, but because of how it's still in my culture, not in my, in like pop culture, 
how many times do you still hear people in movies go like very nice, you know, or, you know, my name is Bora. And there's even like in another Bob's Burgers episode where someone dresses up as him with that like awful green Speedo or something. And it's just, it's, it's a thing. So yeah, Borat. (laughs) No, I was going to say, I remember all the quotes and it's like, there is like, not saying it's acceptable, but it's like that time period was such like a time for like super angsty, edgy shit that was like was all about getting the shock and awe. And I feel like it really got the shock and awe. I remember yeah. I watched Borat so bad, and my parents were like, "No, like I was not allowed to be in the living room while they watched it." And I was like, "I'm so upset. Why can't I see this?" Because at first they were like, "Well, maybe you can kind of see it," and then I think after like the first like 20 minutes, they're like, "Nope, bye." Get out of here. Well, I will say, I will say that there is this one scene, because I think I went to go, like, show my mom or my parents it, and then you realize, like, that is not a movie at all that you should be watching with your parents, because there is literally a scene where uh, the two main characters literally have a naked fight with each other, and their, like, balls are everywhere. It's, like, super uncomfortable, and you even are sitting there going, oh, my God, what was this like for the actors, even filming something like this because they are full on naked um and it was uh it was pretty crazy (laughs) oh my gosh yeah definitely not a child-friendly movie but uh i try to remember the uh what was the other character he played because i heard a lot of controversy with that character too i just can't remember how to pronounce his name but i remember going oh god that's a real place they're gonna be pissed and so when you said they were mad, I was like, I can tell. Uh, well, because I think at first it's like they heard that he was making a movie where he was going to be playing someone from Kazakhstan. And it's like people were really, you know, happy about that because it made people aware that the country even existed. But then when they saw that the movie was pretty much him shitting on the country and shitting on, say, their beliefs they were not happy at all but he's played a lot of characters he was in a movie called the dictator he was this well-known character named ali g and he even as ali g he even premiered in a music video for madonna so he's been around for quite a long time and a lot of his humor is very like outlandish he's very much like a parody actor but again he is doing something more serious with the spy which i did start to watch and it's pretty good i just don't know i didn't continue it but it certainly wasn't something that i expected from him he was at one point i don't know if he's still married to her but at one point do you remember um oh god what is it called wedding crashers yes yes Remember the girl who played the crazy girl who ends up getting with Vince Vaughn's character? I think it's been so long, but I know who you're talking about. Yes. She's like a redhead, and she was, like, really, like, clingy and obsessive, but then they end up getting together anyway. Um, She is, at least was, I don't know if they're still married, but she was married to Sasha Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't know why I kept calling her Sasha Cohen Baron. I got the the order incorrect. Is Sasha Baron Cohen? My bad. But they they were at least married. I don't know if they're still married. But yeah, 
Um, I don't know. I, I thought that it was a funny movie, and it was all the talk and the rage at that point. So I felt like it was almost my obligation to put it as the number one. Good one, though, because I think I really was from the early 2000s that a lot of these movies did have the crazy, like, shock and awe and, like, that and some shit in it. So I think that's a good way to round out the early 2000s, definitely. I think so. And do you have any honorable mentions that you would like to throw out there before we wrap everything up? Uh, let me look real quick, because I think I had a couple that I need to see, uh, let me see. I almost have it, so, that, like you said, it's a hard thing about doing it live when you're, like, wanting to look, but you gotta think about it. Um, let's see, Meet the Parents, the Scary Movie Series, Legally Blonde, American Pie. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, the Forty Year Old Virgin came out too, and knocked up. The and <laughs> Another great Will Ferrell movie. Forty um, Year Old Virgin was hilarious. Um, that, that too was like, ah, oh, Kelly Clarkson um, was so big, and I love Knocked Up. I thought it was really funny. My dad hated it because he was like, I don't see anything funny with like you know, unexpected pregnancies. And I guess, like, as you get older, you're like, yeah, that's not really that funny. That's terrible. But it's it's comedy, you know, all the same. And I thought that it was hilarious, The you know, having Catherine Heigl and Seth Rogen as a pair. And there was just so many, like, hilarious. Paul Rudd was in it. I don't know if you remember that. Paul Rudd was in. He's just a treasure to everything that he's in. Um but I just thought it was freaking funny as hell. And, it had, you know, it had, like, a nice message at some point. So, yeah, I like Knocked Up. I still, I still stand by that. <laughs> no, I, I love it all. And I really enjoy this podcast because it's nice about to talk about funny shit sometimes. Things that aren't so serious. Um, I will say my honorable mentions. I don't know if you ever heard of the movie Waiting. Uh, that came out in 2005, starring Ryan Reynolds, and it had Dane Cook in it. But anyone who is a waiter or a waitress, um, that movie is for us because it just is the whole ridiculous, the whole tagline. I don't know if you ever saw it, Brittany, but the whole tagline is like, don't fuck with the people who, who make your food. And it's like just like the day in, you know, waiter and just the type of customers and shit that you deal with. Um, there's that one scene at the end where freaking they're getting ready to close up and this person like comes in, they're like, Oh, do you have, you know, are you open? We, we want to eat, you know? And so the hostess has to tell the cooks in the back, like, sorry, we have someone. They're also pissed. So as they're making the food, they're like dropping everything. Like, oops. I got Butterfingers tonight. <laughs> like, oh, oh God. So, or, like, the people who get this, like, really big order and they give you, like, this shit tip and it's like, oh, I think you need this more than I do, you know? It's just so funny. Um, so, waiting. Uh, let me look at my list. I had... I guess the only, I had School of Rock and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I always just really liked that movie. So, yeah. Um, 
I guess that is it for us for the top 10 comedy from the early 20s. We did an awesome job, and it was nice uh, doing a podcast on something that makes us laugh and smile because I feel like we do some where Brittany's always like, that makes me sad. I'm going to go away now. <laughs> like, I'm hanging up. Bye. Goodbye forever. Yeah, so we didn't get that with this one, which is always a plus. But, Brittany, before we wrap up, please let everyone know where we can find you, what is on the horizon next for Little Miss Brittany. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I'm doing my Twitch streams. I've got to figure out a better schedule with the job change and everything, but I'm looking forward to it. So you can always find me on Twitch at Itty Bitty Brit. Or if you want to find me on Twitter at Itty Bitty Brit Zero. Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, The Last of Us. I started playing Bayonetta, which Bayonetta is an amazing game where you play a witch who is... uh, Everything about her is sexy as hell, and if you get a staff to fight with, she will literally strip pull that shit and kick the shit out of everybody with her heel pistols. I think she is everything I needed. And uh, Tia, I'm going to send you a picture. She gives me Lexi vibes. <laughs> Please do. Definitely send me that over. Um, I will say that since Brittany has done her Sims 4 stream, I bought the Vampire Package, and I have now just been playing the Vampire Package. I never want to go back to playing the regular Sims. And I will admit, though, it is super hard freaking making sure that those vampires are fed. It is very hard to find people to give to them. And one of my characters did die because he was a dumbass and just stayed outside and didn't come indoors. But I was dealing with all the others, so I forgot about him. And he completely burned alive. And I'm like, how do you not realize that you have to get in the home? Get in the house, damn it. Oh, my God. Stupid. He just didn't want to. But, yeah, so please make sure, everyone, that you check that out. For Brittany, of course, keep an eye on peakvibesnation.com. We have all of our links to our social media platforms, all of our opinion pieces, movie reviews. We have very exciting TV show reviews coming out later on this week. As I said yesterday, we were involved in the virtual pop con, so you can, of course, check that out with Kind of Nerdy Girls as they posted it. And just please make sure that you like and subscribe. Please like our podcast. Brittany and I have been doing the top 10 now, I think, for a year and a half, just the two of us. And it has been just such an amazing road there. Hopefully next week we are going to be joined by the two Kevins of Gutting the Sacred Cow, which I did a podcast for them on Batman vs. Superman. They are really funny and hilarious, so please make sure you check them out. And in general, just enjoy all of our podcasts because as things are unfortunately reopening right now, and I say unfortunately because numbers are increasing, but as things reopen, you're going to need things to listen to as you're going to work, absolutely dreading it. So why not listen to some of our podcasts, right? Um, But please make sure that you check that out. And we appreciate it. Stay safe out there. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Have a great one, guys.